0: Hello and welcome. You are listening to Gay With God, a safe place for us to share our stories and support one another. How long did we know? What challenges did we face? Did we lose our faith? When did we find our way back home? Are we still searching? The stories you hear in this podcast will melt your heart and can strengthen your belief that in God, all things are possible. And you can be authentically gay with God. I am your host, Midge Noble, and I am very honored that you are here. Hey everybody, and welcome back to the Gay with God podcast. I'm so excited that you came back and that you're still listening and sharing and downloading these podcasts. And let me tell you, just today, I was telling our guest Joyce that we just hit 1,000 downloads, and I think that is mind-boggling. And also, absolutely, yeah, we're clapping. We're clapping in the background. I just think that's amazing um, because I'm so touched that not only you find what we're talking about here as something that resonates with you, but I'm so touched because I want this story to get out there. I want our community to know that whatever relationship you have with God, however you view God, however you communicate with God, if you're gay, you can still have that. The God of your understanding is still available to you, even though you happen to be gay. So I'm also honored to welcome Joyce Hagen McIntosh to the show. Joyce began the journey of coming out to herself at age nine, which I find awesome, out to the world at 19, and finally as a comedian at 49. Also love the fact that you're a comedian. Um, Out as Christian, the whole time with occasional tweaks in denomination, faith, tradition, and world religion exploration. She shares the message of God's love being meant for all people. As a librarian, she helps people fill information gaps and provides access to accurate information. She currently works with an organization promoting First Amendment education and advocacy and promoting the freedom to read for librarians, authors, and publishers, and educators and patrons. As a comedian, Joyce presents the overlap of faith g l b t identity music she's been known to pick her own violin during a set and parenting she began performing with the mother cluckers (laughs) in april 2017 and believes that social justice through humor can take place in local bookstores classrooms over meals in our churches basically in any conversation or space joyce welcome to gay with god
1: Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. It's fun I am, to be a guest. Uh, yay!
0: We found out that, uh, well, I found out that this is Joyce's first time on a podcast, and I'm so excited that we get to share that moment together. We first met at the Wild Goose Festival this last year, and if you guys have never been to the Wild Goose Festival just Google it. You will find it. And it is an amazing place to meet not only other podcasters, if you happen to be a host of a podcast, but just spiritual people, people of faith and people who are extremely eclectic. It was amazing. It was amazing, all the people that came. So we are so excited that um, that we went. And I'm so excited that I have Joyce here in the Gay With God as we called it at the at the wild goose the, the goose tent so we have her in the gay with god tent today
1: <laughs> yay. yay well it's interesting i i was at wild goose um a few years ago i did a presentation um it was uh, i just did a comedy set for a few minutes because i think laughter is awesome um And uh, my set is actually what top 10 reasons Jesus is cool. (laughs) Um, So I did that set, but then I held a conversation. I'm queer. Am I welcome here? And uh, this last um, time I actually attended with my brother. He was a presenter. He's an author. He writes a lot about Celtic spirituality. Uh, His name is Kenneth McIntosh. And he got to present. So I came along, and this time I came to uh, meet other podcasters. So during the pandemic, I started a podcast called Books, Bi- Books Bible, Beer, and Queer. Yes. <laughs> I got it out of line for a minute. Books, <laughs> Bible, Beer, and Queer. Yep. And I've launched uh, maybe a half dozen episodes of that, but I have never been a guest.
0: That's so funny. on a
1: podcast. So this is so fun. So yes. thank
0: you.
1: Yes, and thank you.
0: And and I've listened to her podcast and it's really quite quite well done and she said she told me at wild goose that you know it, it, she covers the whole spectrum you know if you like books if you like the bible if you like beer if you're queer even if you're not queer you're still <laughs> she covers everything she doesn't have to ever worry about a topic and i thought that was brilliant and so yeah. it's the three b's <laughs> in the queue <laughs> that's
1: it
0: yeah so joyce i can't wait to hear your story so so let's start it at, at the beginning
1: when did you know that you were gay um So I joked in my bio that I shared with you that I came out at nine. But really, (laughs) um, the only reason I say that is because I had a when I became an adult, I looked back and I thought, well, when did I start figuring out that I'm gay? Yeah. So in fourth grade, my friend Jill looked at me on the playground and I'm from southwest Michigan. That's the Bible Belt of Michigan. And I had never thought about this, but we're in fourth grade. And she said, how come you are always talking about Pam? She's not even in our class. And I realized (laughs) looking back on it, Pam was a definite butch. (laughs) It was just amusing. But yes, I was. I was apparently aware of looking at and talking about this girl in another class and that kind of just stuck in my Mm -hmm. head and so when I looked back I'm like yep I bet around there I started being aware Mm -hmm. not self-aware but certainly aware yeah so so your sexuality Um, was turned on but your brain was like not yet (laughs) yeah yeah and I'm I'm mortified because I have a son who just turned 10 and when I think about that I'm like oh man all right (laughs) can be emerging at any moment (laughs) yeah um but i you know take a log leap a big arc i don't i really came out to myself probably my junior year of high school i finally just my uh we ate out for dinner every sunday my mom didn't cook on sundays and my family often went to a restaurant called bill naps um And that Sunday I had stayed home and my mom and dad had gone out. My brother's nine years older than me. He was Mm -hmm. out of the house by then. Mm -hmm. So as soon as they left the house, I ran and pulled out the telephone book. Because keep in mind at this point, there's a phone with a cord and a telephone (laughs) book. And I looked up Western Michigan University that was in Kalamazoo, which is next to where I grew up and found their lgbtq group and started going to that on sunday afternoons
2: wow
1: So i started going to the because i i just it was like an epiphany it was okay i really am gay this is how you identify what i'm experiencing and uh started attending the group which <laughs> also terrified some of those college students and Mm -hmm. young adults, I'm sure, because I was a minor.
0: Mm -hmm. I wondered Um, about that when you just said that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, I think they were terrified, Um, but they were welcoming and appropriate, and Mm -hmm. it was a good experience, Um, and so I, yeah, I was aware of it, and uh, then it was just a gradual process coming out to some friends coming out to people in college uh having a first girlfriend in college coming out to my family Mm. um and so it's just an ongoing process and somewhere along the way um I hit a point where I was like well I'm not going to be in the closet I'm, I'm not I am me And I am who I am. And it was interesting because I've always, also probably as early as age nine, I've always had an awareness of theology and religion.
2: Hmm.
1: I knew when uh, my poor mother, she she was a wonderful woman. And she was Methodist from the day she was born till the day she died. (laughs) I was raised in the United Methodist Church. But I never joined the church. Wow. I went through that process three times. And all three times I said, Mom, there's some reason I just can't. I don't think this is the right church for me. And she'd be like, well, we can go to Chapel Hill United Methodist it's right across town. And maybe more of your friends go there. Maybe you don't like this church. And I I explained that it was more than that. Yeah. And then my brother became born again when Uh I was uh, around that age, nine or ten. He became born again. And that was almost a bigger struggle for our family than me being gay. Because, I mean, he dove in the deep end. Uh. And um, I'm really so happy to say, though, that um, my brother and I are now both on the same theological track. He is now a United Church of Christ pastor. Wow. And a wonderful congregation in Honeyoy, New York. And the two of us absolutely believe the don't put a period where God has placed a comma. Because if either my brother or I had put a period on there when I was 18 years old, mm-hmm. and he you know, he was a young adult. Uh, we, we would be estranged.
2: Mm -hmm. But
1: instead, we love each other and support each other. And both our parents are gone. And I'm so thankful that we have Mm -hmm. our relationship. Yeah, I think we both let God keep speaking about this topic.
0: I love how you said that we let God keep speaking. So what did your what did your parent parents speak when you came out to them, Miss, Miss
1: Methodist, (laughs) Mama? (laughs) Well, well how did that go? <laughs> my father was agnostic. Okay. Um, and uh, he he was a brilliant man. They were both wonderfully intelligent people, and they met working at Upjohn Company, which is now Pfizer. Used to be Pharmacia. Both oh. my parents worked there. My father was a chemist. Um, wow. And uh, my mom worked in bi- biology. Uh, and then she she quit working and to so raise me and my brother but they were both wonderfully intelligent people and I my, my father always said to me he said well mom cried when you came out but she didn't cry because you were gay. She cried because she didn't want you to be alone or have a hard life.
2: Uh.
1: Um, and they both did a lot of research. Now, they did ask some questions that made me feel like a Martian. <laughs> Can you remember I, any my, of them? <laughs> I was home from college, and my mother, my favorite color was pink. And my mom was washing my clothes, including my pink underwear, right? And saying things like, well, are you a guy? <laughs> I was like, you know, she they just she had to ask the questions which was fine they did Mm -hmm. a lot of reading they asked a lot of questions and their acceptance was wonderful and for that I am blessed and the Mm -hmm. thing that my mom said that will have the most impact my whole life she said well can you still talk to Jesus and I said yes she said well if he's good with you then I'm good with you
2: Wow.
1: Yeah, it was wonderful. So wonderful yeah. that she, she wanted to make sure I still had that relationship.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, you know, I think it, it was hard for her socially. It was hard uh-huh. for her to talk about it. Um, uh-huh. my mother was a lady and, uh, I, I think it was a little bit different for her, but I'm, I'm, I would not have traded my parents or any other set of parents in the world they sound wonderful
0: and i love that they researched it that is so proactive and if if parents would take the time to dig into some information or join a p flag you know group or something that would help them have some support if they needed it uh, but your parents just dug right in there with that research and good for them
1: well one of the things my mom did they're some a wonderful author. She died a couple of years ago. She was also a theologian named Virginia Molencott. And she wrote one of the first books, Is the Homosexual My Neighbor? It was one of the first books on Christianity and LGBTQ life. And she wrote that book. And she, even before she died, she was still writing. She wrote a book, Omni Gender, which is so relevant today. And my mother said, well, we have one of these books. Mm -hmm. It's the Homosexual My Neighbor in our church library. Really? And uh, I was so thankful for that. And she talked to me about the book. And then now, um, one of the ways I can continue to help her legacy, um, we have a home in southwest Michigan and our home outside of Chicago. Um, And I attend UCC congregations in both places and my church in uh, Southwest Michigan voted two years ago to become open and affirming. Yay. And it was a wonderful vote. So wonderful. It was like 80 to eight or something. Oh, that's
2: awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I cried with joy at that one, Uh Um, but I'm, I'm part of our open and affirming committee. And one of the things that we're doing is making sure we have some books we're going to be adding some books to our church library mm-hmm. that people will want to have. Good. Some, some great books for people who are coming out now they're a little more contemporary than is the homosexual. My neighbor. Yeah. That yeah. was in the seventies or eighties. Yeah. Um, yeah.
2: Uh,
1: but books like the children are free. Mm. Uh, that's a fantastic one. Um, Justin Lee wrote a book torn.
2: Rescuing mm-hmm.
1: the gospel from the gays versus Christians debate, uh, books like Omnigender, mm. or um, you know, or even a, a non Christian book like The Savvy Ally. Mm-hmm. I mean, let's mm-hmm. just have if people have questions, yeah, I think it's good to share something with them.
0: Yes. Yeah. Because when they're ready to learn, the teacher needs to be there. And if the teacher can't be a person out of their church, you know, books are the next, next best option, you know, and that homosexual is the homosexual, my neighbor, that is the book that i the first book I found that when I was trying to come out and I read that, and it was suggested to me, um, I was in therapy at the time trying to figure out if I needed to kill myself or, or you know, <laughs> or not be gay. I knew there that I didn't think I had a choice. And so um, I was sent to an MCC, Metropolitan Community Church uh, oh, pastor. Goodness. And I said to my therapist, she said, I just want you to meet Christine Oscar. I think she has a lot to, she would have a lot to say. And I said, well, I don't understand. What is an MCC church? She said, well, it's just an affirming church. And I think Christine would really do well with you. And I said, well, what is she gay? And she just paused. And I said, oh, come on, Donna, really? You're sending me to a gay preacher? (laughs) And you think that she's going to tell me the truth about whether or not gay people are going to hell? And she goes, if you trust me a little bit, I just want you to to meet her. And I think you'll see (laughs) she has some wisdom. (laughs) So we, I was in a group at that church for a little while and, and we were reading that book and she went through the Clarabra verses and it was Brilliant. a very interesting time. But yeah, uh, it's sort of like uh, one of my uh, friends from Publisher Purpose wrote a book called um, My Drug Dealer Brought Me to God. <laughs> Awesome. It's a great book. It's a great book. Yeah. And, um, and it's just so interesting that people think that you can only do it one way. But, you, you know, coming into your own authenticity, whether you're gay or straight, if you look back in your life, and you look at how you behaved and what you were doing, you know, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, we always evolve. We're never the same we, you know, we get clarity over things. We change our minds over things. We understand on a deeper level. Um, so it, it is a journey. And I love those books that you listed. I want to make sure that we list them on the show page. Um, so we'll we'll talk about that again before I list that. So I get all those ones that you shared. So did you have any uh, pushback when you were coming out? Was, was there anyone that that didn't take it well, or someone in deep connection with you that you kind of lost, like you were concerned you would have lost your brother along the
1: way? Oh, I did for a bit. Mm -hmm. I did not lose him. Mm -hmm. But uh, so growing up in our family, pizza was an incredibly special thing. <laughs> and at Western Michigan University, there's a place called Bilbo's Pizza, and it is the best pizza in the world. Although not a single person in Chicago, lad, would tell you that. That's right. <laughs> only one kind of pizza, apparently. But uh-huh. I loved Bilbo's Pizza. Going there was a treat. But when I came out to my brother, we met at Bilbo's Pizza. He was home and we met to have a conversation. That is the only time in my life I have been so stressed I wasn't able to eat. Oh, man. Shouldn't have gone to place with the best pizza. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) Um, But yeah, his first reaction and looking back, he has said that he wished this wasn't the first thing he did, but Hmm. um, he talked to me about the fact that it was a sin. Mm -hmm. He gave me some material for a go straight camp. I wished I had held on to that because it would be interesting to see like what it was, if it it's, still uh-huh. um, mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, he just, he felt that, you know, it was a sin. He did, however, say, but I am your brother and I will always love you.
0: That's um, good.
1: You know, it was, it was not a, con- it was not a conversation condemning our relationship. Uh but it was at that point he was a Mennonite um and uh, I don't know if he was in seminary yet uh to become a pastor he started out a Mennonite pastor but he um he had talked to the men on the Mennonite board of missions Uh and they all concluded it was a sin and I'm like I do not need to know what the and a board of missions member i was a little appalled Uh uh-huh so that initially didn't go well i certainly had a few years of internal struggle Mm -hmm. real struggle with it um and it wasn't so um you know the the times i've faced discrimination have been when i'm older and i've been able to manage it differently Mm -hmm. um I had an incident where I was part of, when I had my oldest son, I joined a group called Mothers of Preschoolers. And you find the same sorts of people anywhere in the world. Whether you're in a small town, a big town, down south, up north, (laughs) does not matter. Red state, blue state, humans are of similar varieties. And here I was in Cook County, Uh, right next to Oak Park, Illinois, which is a wonderful, lovely, diverse community. Um, But the associate pastor at the church that hosted the MOPS group came over and shared with me that I would not be welcome in leadership in MOPS because MOPS International defines a relationship between a man and a woman as the only true relationship. Um, So, they didn't want to say they were kicking me out. They wanted right. me to still go to mops. They just <laughs> wouldn't have me in leadership. And I said, wow. nope. I don't attend something if I couldn't be a pastor there, be ordained. Yeah. If I couldn't get married there. Or, you know, basically, I, I've, I've held to that since I was a kid. I'm not going to change it now.
0: Good for you. Good um, for you.
1: But that was hard. And it's... Mm-hmm challenging especially when you have children involved Mm -hmm. i hope that my sons have as little challenge as possible uh due to the fact that they have two moms Mm
2: -hmm. you know that's my
1: hope from them but we'll walk through whatever we need to walk through
0: yeah and what are the ages of your kids now
1: right now they are 10 and (laughs) 7 wow two boys (laughs) I'm busy. I know. <laughs> I was just gonna say,
0: <laughs> I'm a tired mom. <laughs> yep,
1: busy and tired.
0: Busy and tired. Well, yeah. I hope so too. I, I, you know, people keep saying, "Well, times are better," and and they are. But you know, one of the things I always go back to is it, it's not it's not where it needs to be yet because you know we have rights now. But we didn't have as many rights four years ago. You know, whoever is in office has the right to take their pen and take away rights or put rights back. And I don't like the roller coaster of, yay, I can keep my marriage. Ooh, I might not be able to. Yay, I can have health care. Now people can discriminate against me and not serve me if they find out I'm in a gay relationship. So, exactly. Until we can clean that up and make it something that's not disposable. You know, equality should not be disposable.
1: And oh, that's a perfect, perfect sentiment. I love that you said that. Equality I do too. I'm writing it down. Disposable. <laughs> that was wonderful, Midge. Go for it. That's right. Put that <laughs> one on
0: a bumper sticker. That's right. That's how I'm gonna. That's how I'll um, collect money for the for the memoir. I'll sell bumper stickers. Yes. But, but it's a, you know, I, I say it from my heart because I don't like the fact that we have to struggle so hard to be in this free nation. And I've got my air quotes going and that we should all have equality. And we just don't, we don't. And so until we do, and until we can keep it, then we still have work to do. So, um, anyway, that was my soapbox for the moment, but I want that for your boys, you know, whether they, whether they are gay or straight or or, you know, in between, I want them to always have their equality on this planet. You know, I want women to have more equality. So we're always working until the day we're not breathing and upright. (laughs) We need to keep forcing it through. So, um, so anyway, so when, when you were doing your thing and you've come out and, and you've had some struggles along the way, um, what is the one thing that, that always brought you joy? How did you stay grounded? You know, joy in being you. I mean, it's like you said, you know, I was nine years old and I just had this awareness of theology and um, you know, how did you know that being gay was not going to interfere with your relationship with God? Or was that a, a journey as well?
1: You know what? That wasn't a huge journey. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure why, okay (laughs) maybe the grace of god um Mm -hmm. that was not a hard journey uh i think it's because my mother built such a wonderful foundation i tell people the united methodist liturgical calendar is my internal calendar Mm. um there's comfort in that and Mm. i'm it that has never been a question to me and i think also the fact that i was raised in a reading and discerning family and my my father was brilliant and he defined being an agnostic as he didn't know the answers he wasn't saying there's not a god Uh he didn't know the answers and he didn't ever join our church, but he attended regularly. He taught Sunday school. He had read the Bible. He studied the Bible, and he felt that if all people were to follow Jesus' teachings and be aware of them, that we would all have a better life. Uh he he was also quite the feminist that was interesting he thought it was good that there were many women teachers and that there should be more and they should be at higher levels wow Um, (laughs) but it was interesting because being raised by people who studied and read Helped me study and read when I came out, and being aware of the historical context behind the clobber passages. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Being mindful of um, you know, people always say, well, actions speak louder than words, and if you look at Jesus' life, we see examples to live by in both his actions and his words. Um And I think, you know, being aware of and studying uh, the Bible within that historical context, looking at Jesus' actions, um, you know, basically, minorities shouldn't have to fight to see and hear their own history. And Uh if you look at the way Jesus lived we saw examples of love, of healing, of extravagant welcome. Instead of Jesus saying, whoo, that woman's a hooker or, oh, my God, foreigner, keep out. Right. Or that guy is going to give me a horrible disease. You know, think uh-huh. AIDS victims and lepers. We, uh-huh. we don't see Jesus treating marginalized people Mm
2: -hmm.
1: like subhumans we see Jesus repeatedly healing loving and welcoming Mm -hmm. and so I guess what has come back to me it's I'm like a big donut hole I'll bring it around to your question eventually um I guess for me what keeps me grounded is seeing the that jesus always was the welcome Mm -hmm. and it helps me remember to not look at people as different or other
2: it's Mm -hmm. just
1: the thing so Mm -hmm. um you know being gay isn't all of me it's Mm -hmm. a part of me Mm -hmm. um I uh I feel like it's just a fact. Mm-hmm. When I do a comedy set and I haven't since the beginning of the pandemic yeah. uh, so um I I always end up bringing up the fact that I'm gay. I always end up bringing up the fact that I'm a Christian. Um bec- because honesty in everything including humor makes a difference yes if i'm not bringing all of me to the table and just matter of fact then i'm hiding and there's mm-hmm. no need to do that even when i'm in uh you know i'm in an very white very wealthy chicago suburb and we are the mother cluckers the comedy group i manage so pretty much uh it's a bunch of straight white moms, um, <laughs> but I'm going to be me no matter what. And I'm, that doesn't mean I'm not going to bring these stories that I can relate to. Right. It just means I'm not going to say anything but my wife because I have a wife. I'm not, you know, it's going to come out that I'm me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and as we said before, you know, visibility is validation. You know, the more we can be visible in our communities and in our nation, then, you know, it, it becomes more valid. It's not like, oh, this is a phase, you know, it's, it's like, okay, yeah. these are long-term you know, relationships that people have. I, I've actually been married once you know there are people in my family that have been married multiple times and you know <laughs> we we had our holy union in in 1996 i always get the year wrong so i'm probably wrong but i know it's around that time and because you couldn't come, you know be gay and and get a legal marriage and then when it became legal we got legal and not because uh, we felt like the first one was invalid because it was our spiritual coming together and just validating that between, you know, the faith that we grew up in, but because it is our legal right to be married and we wanted to take it and we wanted to have all of the the good and the bad that comes with that. <laughs> Never seen yeah. the good out of the taxes part, which I thought was supposed to be a good, but <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's not. It's not really good. <laughs> My wife is an accountant, she explained that to me. <laughs> not really a benefit. Not really a,
0: yeah, not not really a good thing. But but you know, that that visibility and and taking part in in the equality that's given to us that we shouldn't have to have given to us that we should be our birthright. But um you know, it does. It you know, when you go up on stage and and you come out in that way. And you speak your truth and you stand there authentically and people find you humorous and they laugh. And it's like, we, we show a part of ourselves that is who we are. This is my life's work. This is what I do. And here's my wife. And it should yes. not ever be anything other than
1: just, you know,
0: who we are. Yeah.
1: Well, it, this is, uh, this is a really it's a bit of a scary time in our country right now mm-hmm. when it comes to visibility um in written word and in materials and um so my uh my money gaining gig is um I'm a librarian mm-hmm And uh, currently, uh, after my kids were born, I um, worked from home and I started working with a group called the Freedom to Read Foundation. And we work closely with the American Library Association's Office for Intellectual Freedom.
2: Hmm.
1: What we do is we educate, litigate, and advocate on First Amendment issues. And never did I ever dream I'd have job security <laughs> as someone protecting the First Amendment. <laughs> um, but in 2021, here we are, mm-hmm. and right now across the country, people are—they're attacking uh, the First Amendment and intellectual freedom on two fronts. The first. Um, is LGBTQ materials. Actually, I shouldn't say first and second, because they're both getting slaughtered. One level is that people are challenging LGBTQ materials in public libraries and school libraries mm-hmm. and wanting them removed. Mm-hmm. And the second is people are claiming These books are, um, there's anything related to racism that's an accurate history. Um, they're saying this is you're teaching critical race theory.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Um, and they're attempting to remove those books, whether it's the wonderful bestseller, The Hate You Give, or anything by Kendi about anti racist work. Um, So both of those fronts Mm -hmm. are being challenged right Mm -hmm. now across our country.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And, you know, when it comes to LGBTQ materials, um, every person has a right to see their life reflected Mm -hmm. in materials. Mm -hmm. And librarians... We have collection development policies and we provide access to information for all people. And we are going to keep doing that. There's something in every public library in this country to offend me and every other person. That's right. (laughs) That's right. Everyone, as a librarian and as librarians, it's our job to make sure people have access to information Uh. and if someone's offended they can ask to you know they can ask for a materials reconsideration form but they're going to have to acknowledge you know what might be better is saying well why are you concerned about this well are there any materials you want to see in our library that you don't see
2: Let's Uh focus
1: on what you want to have access to Uh because we want to have access to materials for every person. We don't want to remove access. We want Uh to provide it.
2: Uh
1: Um, And it's so important. And if someone looks at a book and says, well, this one about gay teens has never circulated. You bet it's never circulated, but I bet it's really well worn. That's right. <laughs> that's
0: right. Yeah, yep. some,
1: someone might be fearful to yep. bring it home.
0: Yep. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's that's where I always say many of those titles, it's important to not remove them.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: but that's become a struggle. The mm-hmm. many books challenged. And when it comes to the critical race theory argument. First of all, critical race theory is a whole separate topic and it is an academic term and a whole separate study. Really, people are trying to remove books that may make them uncomfortable. Yeah. But once again, it's our job to provide books that accurately share everyone's history a black child, a Latino child, an Asian child, or an adult, everyone should have access to books that reflect their life and their history.
0: That's beautiful. And
1: people will say, well, we're in a town where there aren't any minorities, and this is taxpayer money. It's like, (laughs) well, look at the census, you're probably wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's their money, too. Mm
2: hmm.
1: And once again, it's there for everybody. It's so important to just remind people who are attempting to ban these materials that we're providing access for everyone. Mm. Um,
0: I love that. And and I love the fact that as a librarian, you have something to stand on, you know, when you... (laughs) It's not that I'm gay, so I'm going to have a whole, you know, shelf of gay things. It's that it's not about our personal desires. It's about your ethics as a librarian and being able to to provide that access.
1: Well, it's, uh, you know, it's very much like um, a medical professional.
2: Mm-hmm. They
1: have they are bound to do no harm. We're mm-hmm. bound to help every person to save everyone. We're mm-hmm. not going to get into religious freedom bills at yep. least yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, librarians have a code of ethic as well mm-hmm. and that is to provide access to information. It includes a line saying so most librarians are responsible for collecting a certain, group of books at a public library. I used to collect both politics and religion, which cracks me up. (laughs) Um, But that means no one needs to know my political beliefs. A library patron should be able to walk in there and not have a clue whether I'm a Republican or a Democrat. They should see every political book that should be on that shelf as long as it fits our collection development policy
2: Mm -hmm. and
1: that's going to say that we reflect many views we if we have 10 holds on an item we're going to buy two copies of that book these aren't just Mm -hmm. wishy-washy policies librarians aren't purchasing what they want um i i am not uh i'm someone that believes that Creation was a mix of science and God. Mm. I don't personally hold a fully creationist view, but you bet when I was a brand new librarian and a patron said they wanted a book, the the dinosaurs were on the ark too. <laughs> my first instinct was to laugh my head off. <laughs> but then one of my colleagues said, Joyce, they were and they were small birds. I just said, well, <laughs> I will be by this book because a particular group of patrons want this title.
0: Yep.
1: <laughs> it doesn't matter what I think. And and I think it's important when people set out to challenge materials, I think it's important that they have someone at that local library saying, here's our policy. You can challenge it. You you can fill out this form. It's going to say, did you read the whole thing? What do you disagree with? Blah, blah, uh-huh. blah. What will happen if people read this? Uh-huh. Um, you know, we're not saying you don't have your own First Amendment right to share your thoughts about what we carry. But we have to adhere to American Library Association principles and ethics.
2: Uh-huh. Uh-huh
1: we have a policy and everything we do at a public library or a school library is guided by those policies.
2: Mm.
0: There you go. Good for you. Good for you. I'm so glad you brought that up. And I'm so glad that you advocated as well you should. Very. You advocated very well for your profession. <laughs>
1: Well, I'm glad, and I hope that people are still awake. Um,
2: <laughs> well,
0: I'm awake because I I really never thought about it that way. I I've, I've never looked at how books get into the library, and 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 what what would go on if somebody didn't like it i've been aware that people wanted to take things out and to you know minimize our exposure to that but um i'm really glad that there are ethics behind it and that there are reasons for why things are there you get you know there are things that i don't want to see i don't want to see a big you know dead animal on a book somewhere but you know i also know that (laughs) that, that that hunting is wait a minute what state are you in? i'm in north carolina
1: Well, I'm from Michigan and I mean Ted Nugent's film series Rackham and Stackham was practically an elementary school requirement. (laughs) Well, I was, uh, I I
0: know, and I'm just so that's why I thought that I had to have been adopted. I am not like anybody else in my family, when it comes to a lot of things and and I'm clearly. Um, the only out gay person that I know in my immediate family and, and the closer extended family, there are some gay people in our, in our, in there, but you know, they're far removed from what what I lived every day. So, you know, it's, it's just, I'm just different. I'm, I, I, I'm a vegan, you know, I, I would never be able to hunt. I would suck at survivor. I could never eat The things that make you try to eat. I just couldn't do that. I could live in a tent somewhere, but I I could not I could not eat that that. Um, so I just, you know, I, I think it's good that we all have what we need and that we all have access to what we need. And I love that word that you used, access, because right now I feel that in our LGBTQ community, access is sometimes tenuous. And and you're right that getting access can be deadly. And it can be hurtful. And, you know, kids are getting kicked out of their homes. You know, our trans brothers and sisters are getting killed. You know, gay people have been killed because they've tried to have access and they've tried to live their life like everybody else. And, you know, um, I, I just think that that having libraries provide that is so crucial, especially in the schools as well. You know, if a kid you know, goes and they can spend time looking through a book on a shelf even if they never check it out, it might say just the thing they needed to say to give them some hope to keep going. They might be able to read in some, you know, if and if a teacher was allowed to read a book as a class project, and have that, even though the the kid in the back may never say they're gay, hearing the words of, you know, is the homosexual your neighbor, or hearing somebody else's version of how I made it through, and it's it's okay, things are going to get better, and how how this is how it got better for me that gives them hope and they may not choose suicide over the rest of their lives so i'm glad that you and all of your librarian friends are there and that we will continue to do the fight (laughs) to keep the books on the shelves
1: thank you (laughs) do the fight
0: so we're coming down to our time and i'm I'm sad about that because i love talking to you (laughs) and and, um but i i have a final question that I, i ask all of my my guests that um, if you think back through your journey um, and someone came to you and they asked you the question, you know, you know, I'm struggling and I don't I don't really know how to how to do this. I don't know how to be gay. I don't know how to be gay and Christian. From your perspective, what's the one thing that you think you would share with them that could give them some hope from your own
1: journey? Um, I would remind them. Uh, that the clobber passages were need to be taken in an historical context,
2: uh-huh.
1: and if there's someone that's not, you know, hearing those passages, if they're just hearing genetic or uh-huh. genetic generic, if they're uh-huh. just hearing generic terms, um, I would uh, keep it at the level of you know, remember that Jesus was about love and welcome, and accepting people where they are at. Mm -hmm. And if this is who they are, and it's part of their human journey, Mm -hmm. Jesus loves and accepts you exactly where you are at. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Well, and I think
0: that that one thing you were starting to say genetics, I mean, that's, that's not too far off from the truth there. Because, you know, if, once people research this and if they are brave enough to research it and challenge the faith that they grew up in um to have it be more inclusive you know we are born this way now there there may be a small percentage of people who have gone through some sort of trauma that has affected their decision to be gay um but the large majority of us there's nothing we can do about it and yeah i can live lonely or I can live (laughs) unfulfilled but I'm still I'm still me I'm still gay and always will be um so it's beautiful that that there's a way to look at that for folks that it's not um a choice it's not a lifestyle it's not a a phase
2: (laughs) yeah yeah
1: yeah well and I guess if they were someone who was comfortable reading Mm -hmm. um you know, I, the, some of the books I mentioned earlier, I always, um, you know, I recommend that people buy a few copies and give them to either the church library, if they'll take them or the Uh local LGBTQ center,
2: Uh if there's
1: a community center of any sort, buy a few copies of these books, give them and say, give them out, share them or give them out. Uh Um, You know, they, and of course, all gay people aren't going to agree with everything in every book, but it can, it can save a life. Yes. Knowing that you are still accepted Mm -hmm. and there, there are people who will listen and work with you Mm -hmm. and that you will have community. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I wish I had been more aware and had told my mom, don't worry. I'm, I'm not going to be alone. Yeah. I, I'm going to have a good life. You don't need to cry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. I love that she had concern for me. Um, but knowing that you still have love and support and community and acceptance mm-hmm. by yeah. Jesus and God is important.
2: Yeah,
0: did she live long enough to see you in your happy state now?
1: <laughs> um, yes, and no. My mom died when I was 29, mm-hmm. uh, she was 75. And um, it was quick. Uh, She had a heart issue. We didn't realize how extreme it was. Mm. Um, And uh, my father said that at least she got to see my brother and I be comfortable, independent adults and that she knew we'd do well in life. Oh, good. So, yeah, it would have been nice for her to see me get my graduate degree, join Mm -hmm. a church, do the work Mm -hmm. I'm doing now. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I'm thankful that I keep up her legacy by doing it.
0: Yeah. And some of us believe that she can still see you. So, yes, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) that's what I tend to believe that, that it is still when you vibrate joy and love at a high level, I think all the saints can see us so wonderful yes and i'll include your mom in that
1: (laughs) well and you are you are clearly doing that i i love i love that you have this podcast Mm -hmm. i love the title i love that you Mm -hmm. have the guests you have so i hope you you will keep doing the work you're doing i'm excited this is fun (laughs) Hey, my first podcast. That's right. This should be the one only the first
0: you should be invited to very many more. So (laughs) (laughs) you you you're great. And I really, really thank you for telling your story. And I love I love every bit of your story. The you know, the being able to blend, you know, the Bible and you know, being gay and comedian and being a librarian. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, it's just, it's just, it should also be a movie. <laughs> <It's just laughs> the, the gay librarians doing stand-up. I love that. <laughs> I just love it. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for honoring us with your story, Joyce. It's been delightful to see your face again and to have time to talk. And I want to thank all of my guests Um, for always coming back each week, supporting, sharing and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to see more about Joyce and the links uh, to not only her website, but also uh, to her podcast, um, the three B's in the queue, you definitely want to hear her so please, uh, you know, go to the show page once it's posted and make sure that you check out her links. If you want to become a Gay With God uh, community member, that's easy to do. Just go to empoweredmidge.podbean.com and join us and share um, the podcast. Listen to the podcast. If you feel like you ever, deno- did, um, I can't even say the word, donating any money, <laughs> you're welcome to do that too. Um, so just remember that. That, that not only are we here at uh, Gay With God, you can also find us on Facebook at, at Gay With God, a, a private group where we um, share thoughts and feelings and um, meditations and, and just all things, you know, Gay With God. So do that. And if you are questioning whether you can be gay and be in a relationship with God, if you are authentically gay, God has always been within you, even when you didn't know it. You have always been gay with the God of your understanding. I want to invite you to become a part of the Gay With God community. How can you do that? Stay connected by messaging me your thoughts and comments in the comment section under the downloads of the show on the Gay With God show page. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen and share, share, share so we can increase our community outreach and be a light to those who are struggling to claim their faith. Consider being a sponsor so I can highlight your service in our community. We are all worthy of respect and a relationship with the God of our understanding. I want to thank you in advance for supporting this podcast. Together, we as a community will keep this show visible and our community stronger. Deep gratitude to my friend Tim McClendon of Tim McClendon Music for allowing me to use an excerpt from Interlude 4
2: a song found on his CD entitled Sundance.